She's played unforgettable performances on Frasier on 24 and now on one of the spring's most acclaimed new series, Legion. Jean Smart is television royalty with a career spanning three decades and three Emmy wins. Now on Pop Culture Confidential. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling-Biro. Thanks for listening. So for me personally, Jean Smart has been a constant on television throughout my TV watching and reporting career. She's been a staple since the 80s and seen many changes in the television landscape and for women in the industry. Jean Smart was one of the original cast members on the hit CBS sitcom Designing Women, and then she followed this with some of the most excellent performances on TV, like her Emmy-winning role on Frasier, or maybe her most memorable as First Lady Martha Logan on 24, whose fragile mental state deteriorated when her husband, the president, was revealed to be a traitor to his country. Jean Smart has been highly praised for her fearless performance as Floyd, the matriarch of the crime family on TV's Fargo with creator Noah Hawley. Now she's taken on a new challenging role in the mind-bending and critically acclaimed FX series Legion. The series is loosely inspired by the X-Men comics, and it's hypnotic and it's visual and an exploration of many themes, but most notably mental health. Here, Jean Smart has reunited with both FX and Fargo creator Noah Hawley, and she plays Melanie Bird, a questionable therapist and the leader of a group of super-powered mutants who are being hunted down by the government. David, your whole life people have told you you were sick. I'll show you that it was really just a lie. The human race beginning to evolve. The divisions were created by our government to track and study people like you. And the ones they can't control, they kill. They're looking for us. I could help you rewrite the story of your life. Shall we begin? No, I can't. You're the key. The key to what? Winning the war. Is this real? All good in the head now? We talk about how it is to work on this very unique series. But I started by asking Jean Smart. For so many decades now, she seems to have been part of shows and played roles that have seemed almost ahead of their time thematically, as well as in the portrayals of women, from designing women to 24 to Legion. How has she chosen her roles? Well, I've been really, really fortunate that I, that I haven't really been typecast, and I've, I've um, had a chance to play a lot of different kinds of characters. I, 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 <laughs> to be honest, lots of times I think, Will my mother or father be embarrassed if I do this part? Oh, really? <laughs> but um, but um, uh, unfortunately, my I, I lost my lost my father several years ago. I lost my mother a year ago. Oh, I'm sorry. But um, I always oh thank you. But I I uh, but I did. I, I I always thought you know would they you know would they be proud of me if I played this part or could this be something that would be, you know, something that they would uh, want to watch? But it, it, it's just, you know, I want to do something that's different than something you've done before. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, 
there's a reason people become actors is because they don't want to do the same thing all the time. <laughs> and of course, television and film can be a harsh landscape for women, as we know. But what what sort of changes have you seen in the industry's demands on women during your career? Have they been positive? I, I think for the most part, they've been positive. But I think probably by far the worst, the worst thing has been high-def film. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> Why? But, oh, um, without, without a doubt, because... No one looks good on high-definition film. As, as my husband says, it's fantastic for sports. And I said, well, fine, then let it be just for sports, <laughs> you know. But, um, and, and people say things like, oh, there's, you know, oh, think of the great stars of the 40s. And stuff. I think, yeah, they were, they were shot in a way that, you know, they hardly looked real, you know. Right. Um, people, you know, but then, of course, we went into, we had sort of a reaction to that that kind of fantasy idea of actors and storytelling and people wanted everything to be nitty gritty and they wanted to see the sweats and all that. But I don't think people really want to see all your wrinkles and the pores in your skin. It's distracting. Right. You know, it's distracting and, and, and it, it automatically put women overnight into an older category. Right. You know, they were playing, the ingenue, now they're, then they immediately were playing mom, or if you weren't playing mom, overnight you were playing grandma, you know. Just because of high definition. Yeah, mm -hmm. because nobody, in fact, it even makes you look worse than you actually look. Mm -hmm. I remember the very first time my mother saw me on a television show in high def, she didn't know wh why I looked so different. And she called me up the next day and said, why did they make you look like that? You don't look like that. What 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 was the reason for that role that made you look like that? She said, you don't even look like that when you're sick. Right. <laughs> I said, oh, my right. Long story. But it's still an appearance <laughs> thing that, that is that that is sort of the demands on women today. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Women, to a certain extent, unless you're just completely a character actor. But again, even then, even then, it, I think it makes a difference. Well, I'm sure it does for men, too. Right, right. Um, I'm speaking just from my point of view, but, you know. So, Melanie Bird, your latest intriguing and complicated character, how would you describe her? Well, she's, I think, kind of a sad person um, and extremely, extremely private. She just doesn't show her feelings. I think she's been, she's been hurt so much because she hasn't been with her husband for 20 years. Right. She's been hoping that he'll come back. And then when he does come back, it's not quite what she'd hoped for right away. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. But um, so, yes, she, I mean, she, I think she's a very uh, heroic, caring person. But at the same time, I think she has been driven, you know, by this desire to get her husband back, you know. Right. It's very romantic. It's very romantic in a way. She never has never given up. I imagine she's had a very lonely existence, you know. And frankly, I'm concerned that I'm just making things worse. You're giving up. No, you're too important. Why? Why am I so important? Because we're at war and we're losing. And you may be the most powerful mutant alive. You want to fix him so you can use him? No. I want to fix him because he deserves to be healthy and he deserves to be happy and then I want to use him. 
This is your second time around with Noah Hawley, the first being Fargo. And, and in terms of legions, I love how it doesn't dumb us down. It's really challenging from the viewer. We're sort of figuring out the show together in real time. Has this been a process for you, the cast, as well? Oh, without a doubt, yes. We, we used to compare, you know, we'd put our heads together when, when every week when we get the next week's script. We'd say, have you read the new script? You know, <laughs> did, did, you, did you understand it? <laughs> well, sort of, kind of, I think. And then we'd, we'd sort of, you know, talk it over with each other. But we decided that after a while with it, because at first it was a little bit scary because we weren't really used to feeling that way. But, um, but we, we decided that that was really kind of the challenge of the show and kind of the fun of it actually was to kind of just sort of let it take you the way it takes the audience and, you know, just sort of trust because we all trust Noah implicitly and just sort of trust and go with it like a, like you just strapped yourself onto a roller coaster. <laughs> right. Cause there's so many loving references in it. I mean, like I can see, I maybe brought but Twin Peaks and Wes Anderson. It's, it's such a hugely visual experience. Is this all in the script? Does Noah write this way? Uh, a great deal of it, yes. I mean, uh, but because of some of the special effects and because Noah has such a specific world, I think, in his head for the show that uh, I was talking to Katie Afelton to play Amy, mm-hmm. and she was saying, I had, the same, I had the same reaction with it, you know, you, you, they call you in to do some looping or something, and you, and she said, you, you watch it, you say, oh, oh, is that what we were doing? <laughs> is that what that scene was? <laughs> you know, it, like, for instance, there was a scene where uh, I'm in David's childhood room, and uh, my hand is crushed in this strange book, and the, the monster is standing behind me. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that that, was what was going to be. So it's not I in not the a, script. I, that, that was, no, no. Okay. No. That must be incredibly difficult. Yeah, some of those things, we add, I don't know if he added some of those things later, or whether he always had that in mind. I, I have the feeling maybe he added that later, mm-hmm. because I think that would have been in the script, you know, but, um, you know, he he puts his, his uh, fingerprint on absolutely every every bit of it, every Every, you know, even even the music. Music is very important to him. Right. And he is very, uh, very schooled in all types of music. And uh, he himself is a musician. And so, I mean, he just, he's a renaissance man. He kind of does it all. Yeah, because Legion, in, in sort of the best sci-fi fashion, it explores many facets, uh, deep human emotion and experience. And, and this series really takes on mental health in a unique and interesting way. How did he discuss this angle with you, being that it's a sci-fi? That, to me, was the thing that really grabbed me about the script um, when I first read it was, well, he did talk about it to me a little bit, but, I mean, this idea that... Uh, this whole different way of looking at, at mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's something that hopefully makes people think a little bit, you know, as well as being entertained. It's, uh, I mean, how, how, how sad, you know, you look at this character of David who's been in and out of institutions since he was a child, and here's, you know, someone who's saying, no, you're not sick. In fact, you're gifted, you know. Um, but we have to kind of take apart your, your memories and find out, you know, all the things that have happened to you, um, what triggers his sort of out-of-control moments and things. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Um, and obviously, I mean, that used to happen to people all the time, and I imagine it still does to a certain extent. And people, there are people locked away, you know, for the rest of their lives who had, you know, hypoglycemia or, uh, you know, were declared to be witches or, right. <laughs> you Some, know, I mean. Something actually curable or preventable. Yes, yeah. But it's always frightened people, I think. Right. And mental illness has always scared people. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Martha Logan of 24, which really to me is one of the most complex female characters of the past decade. One of the things that's so interesting is that her sort of vulnerability, her her fragility is what really makes her a hero, would you say? Yes, yes. In, in, in fact, at one point, um, about halfway through the season, and she was sort of a little healthier than she was at the beginning of the season. She'd been taking the medication and things like that. And she's getting a little bit preachy. And I said to the writers, I said, I think Martha was a little more interesting when she was also mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, you know what? They said, you're right. So they kind of took her off her medication again. But I mean, she, so she, she was an impulsive, emotionally impulsive person, but I mean, she, but she had a good heart and she had, she had a sense of, uh, a strong sense of right and wrong. And, and Melissa has been so devastated by the death of her, you know, the assassination of her friend, and she knew she had to do the right thing, you know. They used you so Jack Bauer could get to me. Come on, Marty. Come on, Marty. Admit it. You were part of it. Why? Why? Why did you help them? Because you killed David Palmer. I told you, I, I, I didn't realize that was going to happen. You, your people killed him to protect you. You covered it up. That's just as bad. I covered it up because I had to. Oh, and then others died to cover that up. That's right, for the good of the country. You sell nerve gas to terrorists. You're insane. You're insane! I did it for the good of the country as I saw it at the time. How did this role inform you as to what it entails to be a first lady? Well, it made me realize that I would certainly never want to be a first lady. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That that notion of having to always be, uh, always be uh, available to people. I mean, every single day you've got, you know, your your assistant or your press secretary, whoever's showing up with your daily, you know, agenda. I, I can't even imagine that kind of pressure, but also having to be, you know, always the supporting wife staying next to your husband who maybe you had a hideous fight with that morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can't stand look at him, you know. But you have to stand there and smile and you have to be dressed to the nines and, Oh, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine. You know, because you can't really. I mean, to a certain extent, you have to be, you know, kind of the the more quiet present. You know, you you are not. You know, you definitely have to be number two on uh, on the call sheet, as it were. Um, but I, I and, and to and to watch your husband be constantly criticized and questioned and. And also the fear of his security and safety and, and, and wondering what kind of a life your kids are having seeing the kids growing up in the White House. I, it's just such a, it's a, I suppose some people want it for the wrong reasons, but I, it just seems to me just as an enormous 
sacrifice. Can you see how 24 sort of resonates still today? <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. Well, that's a whole other conversation, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting one. <laughs> so what are you expecting for the... How much do you know about what's coming up in Legion from sort of week to week? I mean, where are you and what do you know what's going to be happening? We, we really have no... Um, no knowledge of what's happening, and we always, uh, even up till episode seven, uh-huh. you know, the episode before the finale, we we would talk and we'd, with each other, the class, and we'd say, "How is it possible we're going to wrap this up in one more episode? That's impossible." You know, I mean, not necessarily wrap it up, but turn it into you know, sort of a some kind of a you know, ending of the season and a cliffhanger and everything. And of course, he would do it as he always does, you know. Thank you very much for your time, and thank you for taking your time on your busy day when you were leaving your daughter and everything. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you so much to Jean Smart. You can catch Legion on Fox here in Sweden and FX in the U.S. And please follow us on Twitter at PodPopCulture or check out all the news on new and coming shows on PopCultureConfidential.com. This show was edited by Tom Hansen, theme music by Carl Boy, and produced by René Witterstedt and myself. I'm Christina jörling Biro. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.